You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on LA Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Love Talk Live. Today we have a wonderful show because I have a wonderful human being with me. This is Dr. Mike Seinel. Hello. Hello. And he is a pain doctor, and he also works a lot with mindfulness. Yes. And I have his bio to read to you because he's extraordinary. So Dr. Michael Seinel is an assistant clinical professor at the UCLA Department of Medicine. Right after the completion of residency at New York Hospital, Cornell University Medical Center in New York City, he received board of certification in physical medicine and rehabilitation. Dr. Michael Seinel is an expert on spinal disorders and back pain and has authored and published multiple books on pain disorders, back pain therapy, rehabilitation, yoga, and meditation. So if there's anybody out there who has a bad back or anything that's hurting, mind, body, and soul, please contact Dr. Michael Seinel. And we are going to do this show and kind of incorporate the science and the medicine into the mindfulness and the heart and and just we're just going to just dive in um but before we do that um dr michael Seinel, i can call you michael michael <laughs> michael um would you like to tell us about the work that you do in general sure so um it varies i mean traditionally i treated a lot of bad backs um i i was trained uh I had the f- good fortune to be under a mentor who was one of the pioneers in mind-body medicine, John Sano. He passed a few years ago, but he sort of, uh, he went a bit, a bit against the mainstream in Western medicine. He was a professor at NYU, and he came up with a syndrome called tension myalgia syndrome, which essentially was a way to look at many of the pain problems we see, especially related to back pain, neck pain, chronic pain, and related to stress. So he he really, um, he described the syndrome where stress can cause back pain, neck pain, and he went on to describe it as playing a role in many aspects of pain. And he was a purist, and he described the psychophysiologic mechanism whereby underlying emotions and unresolved deep conflicts can manifest in your body and create symptoms and serve as a distraction to some of the things. So I took up that work, but I was very traditionally trained as well. My partners were all spine surgeons. I was part of a big spine center in LA for many years. And you know, I always integrated sort of um, mind-body aspects into my treatment and addressing a whole person. And in my own life, I've been practicing yoga for 25 years. I got into mindfulness meditation in the last 10. So. I see it as applicable in everything from a health perspective, especially in chronic problems. I mean, an acute problem sometimes, you know, someone throws out their back, it could be very straightforward, put on some ice and rest for a day and stretch. But in more chronic conditions, the mind tends to play a big role. And I love how you're bringing the science and the spiritual, like mind-body aspects all together because I feel like there aren't enough doctors out there that are doing that they're either they're like just science and so I think it's so beautiful how you're bringing kind of the two worlds together and you're really helping people in such a different progressive more modern way or yeah I mean I think 
medicine is evolving and moving towards a more integrative model, because certainly there's a lot of ancient wisdom from other cultures and Eastern medicine that has value and has worked for many years, and Western medicine has a lot of incredible scientific uh, advances over the years, but I think more and more, somewhat due to the internet and the availability of information and the movement of the public in wanting to expand from traditional medical approaches and the failure of medicine in many, many areas, like chronic pain, we just are all aware of the opioid crisis, like mental health, which we have a disaster in our society, and depression and anxiety. Um, these things really can't be approached typically or, or shouldn't be solely approached in a I would call it a bit of an old traditional Western model with medications treating symptoms. You have to look at root causes. So the evolution of functional medicine, which looks at root causes, looks at nutritional, looks at mind-body, looks at spirit, um, is just critical. And I brought it into the medical school. I, I teach electives to first and second year medical students, including mindfulness meditation and medicine and, and yoga therapy as a tool. And most of them need it for their own self-care, because that's another problem, doctors yeah. and their own yeah. self-care. So with your work in mindfulness, and to bring it into Love Talk Live, and to bring it into the, the field of love, I was thinking that we could kind of talk about how do we bring mindfulness into relationships. First thing that came up to me was that to me, mindfulness means being present, being in the moment. And in relationships, that is ideal. Yes. It is so important. And so I was wondering, do you have any experiences with, whether it's your own life or, or with your clients, where you've found that either you or they have become more present by practicing mindfulness and then the relationships have gotten better? Okay, so I'll try and make that bridge from medicine to love talk. And, and there's something that there's probably one very um, pertinent doctor who's been a bit, of a, a bit of a game changer. So you may know the name Dean Ornish. So Dean Ornish was a Stanford cardiologist who did some of the initial work on cardiac disease. This will circle to love because um, I know that's where we need to go. No, but do you know what? Our viewers are intelligent and they love learning and they want to know everything. Okay. But thank you for bringing it to and love. And e even also. before, come to think of it, now that I'm talking about love, even before Dean Ornish was Bernie Siegel, who was a Yale cancer surgeon, who wrote a book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. And I was fortunate enough to hear some of his lectures back when I was in training many moons ago. And, and again, just talked about the role of love in healing and in, you know, why do some people survive cancer why do some people get it quicker and love you know although we can't necessarily easily study it in a laboratory we can we could study it in an observational sense so to jump to Dean Ornish who was a cardiologist and looked at people with heart disease and in the old days heart disease well still presently you know was treated with um, medications and coronary bypass surgery angioplasties etc well he started to look at other factors, including nutrition and group therapy and human aspects like love and intimacy. And he wrote, he wrote a number of books. And he actually proved scientifically that his approach um, in double-blind studies comparing 
nutritional and lifestyle changes. He had yoga, meditation, he had groups mm -hmm. as compared to coronary bypass surgery. Um, angioplasty, I believe, um, worked just as well, if not better. Wow. And, and was revolutionary in that he actually got these programs accepted, I mean, published in medical journals, but also paid for by insurance. Even though, I have to say, the world of cardiologists traditionally across Western medicine still sort of default to the basic, let's do medicines, let's do an angioplasty. And it's, it's very tricky in Western medicine because we have a for-profit model and some things like group therapy and meditation and yoga don't really pay the bills if you're a big hospital system or a doctor practicing. So, But many people have adopted Dean Ornish's. He's done a number of studies on the role of love and intimacy and mm -hmm. healing and in heart disease. Yeah, I mean, I 100% believe that love heals. Yes. You know, starting from loving yourself. Most definitely. Yeah, and then obviously having support, you know, being in a loving relationship can absolutely change the outcome of a disorder, a, a disease. Yes, and... Dis-ease. Dis-ease, and... and what we also know and have observed quite clearly is it can cause it, the break yes. of it. So if you stress. look at stress, and cortisol, it, it, yeah. you know, it, it's really fascinating if you look at um, studies on couples who lose a spouse, especially elderly couples who've been married um, for life, how soon after the surviving spouse dies. Yeah, I mean, they say... It's a broken it's heart. It's a broken, <laughs> broken heart. Um, but it's so, it's so rich. Mm -hmm. So rich that... And this is the work that I'm doing. I'm, I'm researching couples. I'm studying soul-connected couples. And as much as our love for ourselves sustains us and you need that to attract that soul-connected mm -hmm. relationship... I'd say, you know, after all those years and all those years of being together in that soul-connected relationship, I totally buy into dying of a broken heart. I mean, oh, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm romantic, but yes. And you're, from your point of view, I love that this doctor is saying it can happen. Sure. I mean, we, we see it all the time. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a part of my uh, pain population we would end up getting pretty deep into what's going on in their life. And the amount of people that end up with chronic pain disorders and many things, just a whole host of medical illnesses from gastrointestinal to respiratory to fibromyalgia to all sorts of chronic pain syndromes. And the ones who fail surgery, you look at the history, you know, just speaking to the mind-body connection of who weren't loved right and who had abuse. And it's, it's outstanding correlations. And they hadn't done the work to resolve those issues yet. Yes, and those issues play deeply into yes. it's like dis-ease, right? Their soul is um, uh, playing a role. I mean, we use terms that we are limited to a little bit, but mind-body connection, soul, love. But mm -hmm. we certainly could look at it and see examples of how it's affecting our health. And I think most of us, I mean, have had our own personal experiences. If you're in love, you feel vibrant and healthy and your body is ticking differently and the oxytocin is flowing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's almost like you feel you feel high on life you just that's what happens at the beginning of a relationship yeah and um, it's natural it's organic 
Yeah. 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 And when you have a broken heart, which I've certainly had, um, you get sick. I mean, you. Yeah, your immune system goes down. Your immune system goes down. Yes. So I would say, like, from this conversation, my message to all of our viewers is to really just be conscious and take care of yourself. Be aware if your cortisol levels, your anxiety is high, because it's just, it can form into, it can make a, a disease. It can, you can have an immune disorder, and just overall, you're not going to be showing up in your relationship, or if you want to manifest a relationship, just not healthy mind, body, and soul. Right. So I, w- I want to make a comment because obviously not everyone is in a perfectly loving relationship. Or and an- that's why I'm doing the documentary that I'm doing. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. So what, what I, what I want to say is, you know, what, what we understand that, that role of an ability of love to heal, right? Love to heal. It doesn't necessarily have to be the perfect relationship partnership right so just like puppies and kittens do really well for people in terms of the emotions that get generated and the experience of love like wherever you can ground in yourself to feel love because we all have it within ourselves it's Mm -hmm. an energetic and you know to get quantum on us we're all just energy and beings of light right so and this probably or for me there's definitely only love and fear at the at the core yes. of our interconnectedness, right? There is. So if you're ticking from love in whatever way, could be in your religion, love of God, right? It could be love of nature, it could be with your pets, with your children, with friends, with work. I think your body is your much more positioned to naturally heal. I totally agree. And I feel like when all of those things are coming together and you're feeling grounded and you're feeling centered and you're feeling whole, then you have the best chance to not get sick. Like you have the best chance to operate in this world as authentic as possible and just when you're taking care of yourself and it's all flowing well, your relationships get better. I'm also writing a book about manifesting love. so. You know, um, you just, it's all, when you when you have it all together, but not in a, like, ego together. Like, right. I got my hair done, and, like, you know, went to the gym. It's not, you know, it's not an a- aesthetic level, but when you have it all together in your mind, body, and soul, all together, you just show up, and that person is just going to be, is, is going to show up for you. Sure. I mean, when you say an ego sense, it's true. We, we, know, we know from ourselves when we look in the mirror the difference between loving ourselves at a soul level versus yeah. feeling our ego. Yeah. And if you love yourself at a soul level and make an environment conducive to that in whatever setting with whatever tools you need. And everyone has to find their own medicines. You know, it, it's not mindfulness for everyone. It's not yoga, maybe, whatever it might be, right? Whatever some meditate is, yeah. more, some do other things but they have to find a place to go in and be quiet and go into the now I mean which is mindfulness but uh, I I think we have to spend our life learning to self-soothe and getting to know ourselves and our truth and I love that you're bringing this up because I was just at a class the other day and we were talking about how exactly what you're saying it doesn't have to be just one way you know like it's kind of like whatever what when do you find yourself at your most peace? 
that is how you cultivate your mindfulness. It could be listening to music or it could be meditating. Mm -hmm. It could be dancing. You know, like when do you feel connected to your soul? Right. And right. that's how you cultivate it and, and that's how it grows and your connection to yourself grows. Mm -hmm. And the more that connection grows, the more it expands to other people and the more yes. you're capable of bringing it into other people in a functional yeah. way. I mean, it's sort of easier to get into a relationship in the romantic phase of love than stay in a long-term functional relationship, which I haven't done, but I think I'm ready for now. But in any case. Um, well, I you have been married. Oh, yes, I've been married, but uh, I'm saying, yeah. I mean, I haven't hit the, like my parents are married. 50-year mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my parents are going on 48 years. Yeah. And, ah, oh, just beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's amazing. However, you're working on getting out there again. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, you know, it's working on myself and loving myself more, but I think that that translates into it. Like, it, you know, I think I always saw partnership in, in retrospect pretty clearly as filling something in myself, right? Yes. And it's not for that, really. No. So I think we meet people basically where we are. Our, yeah. our capability of relationship equates to our own consciousness and how, you know, the amount we love ourselves is probably somewhat equivalent to how much we could love someone else. And it really only shows up when things are not going well. I mean, I, when me and my friends talk about it, or I know someone young, like in a serious relationship, and they're like, oh. You're young. A, I'm young. <laughs> I'm young. Yes. But I mean, a bit younger than me. Younger. I mean, going through their first, um, their first, like, hopefully not first divorce, which seems to be real common for many people, including myself in L.A., but um, I, I, I say, you know, just, just to try to learn from my past mistakes, it's not, it's not necessarily how you do in love, and it, it's how, you know, what shows up when you're in conflict with the person if you really want to know the essence mm. of how you're going to do, right? It's how you deal with conflict, because it's always, I mean, I doubt there's any relationships that don't go through conflict, right? Right. That would just be incredibly surface, and right. if it works for them, that's great. Yeah. But it's not authentic. Sure. And I was, a, you know, I loved the romantic love phase, so I was, and that's I've been great. blessed to be in love a few times, but I ultimately didn't have the tools and understanding to understand what it takes for long-term commitment, and that is more about self-love and respecting someone else, being on their path, and having common values, et cetera. And we attract people, they are a reflection of our inside experiences yes. and our inside reality. So it makes sense when everybody looks back on their exes, yes. if you really understood it in that concept, it would make sense why you attracted those people. But when you do that self, that work to really get to your inner core and show yeah. up as completely yeah. me, like this is raw, I'm raw. Mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. this is me. Don't disclose too much in that first date. <laughs> like, <laughs> but in general, just it's an essence. It's a, it's a peacefulness inside that you show up with. Yes. I, I think, um, I mean, relationship obviously gives the best opportunity to grow, right? Yes. So you brought up, you know, me and a few friends were talking the other night, which I mentioned to you prior and I love it everyone's looking for their part I mean it's whatever it was a bunch of divorced guys to be honest with you you know but but really great guys super successful and everyone's sitting there about yeah I want to meet my next one and da 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 and I'm th I'm sitting there saying like hearing like what they're everyone's looking for 
like what type, which is normal to a degree, but I was sitting there sort of describing like my shift from what was always looking at what I need in someone in my list of priorities to my priority is my own growth. Mm -hmm. And I said, come on guys, we're all pretty crazy in terms of like our expectations. Like no 10 girls in one could meet any of our expectations because look how we are with ourselves. You know, so it's really, you know, connect on the major, major things. Like have someone with similar values, really core similar values to you and self-reflective and you do your own work. If you see a soul connection, mm -hmm. do your own work and worry about that. <laughs> yeah, and it's about just checking in with yourself when you're in the person's presence and really just being cognizant. How mm -hmm. do I feel with them? So if they don't love the Cubs, like I do, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> just little things like that, I could let that go because mm -hmm. I feel at home with this person, and that's ideal. Right. So, and I know in our, in our discussion about his discussion with his friends, we were talking about how, yeah, nobody is going to literally fulfill everything you're looking mm -hmm. for. However, like you said, tap into your heart. And that's, How do you feel? That's where mindfulness comes in. I mean, it's just the awareness yeah. being of, here, of, of yourself and yeah. being present. If you're present with someone and you, you get, we all get triggered all the time. We're like one big like set of tentacles, right? How oh, someone said that, I don't like that. They're not good enough for me. And instead of doing that, like remembering, hey, that person has great values and is a good soul. And I was excited enough to be here at this point in what I saw in them. So instead of looking at what's wrong with them now or judging it, look at why it's triggering me and what growth I could have in that. And, and you know, these happen to be a bunch of dads I was sitting with who were single divorced dads. Hope and, you guys are watching. <laughs> and they're amazing dads. And so I was sitting there saying, look, you know how we are with our kids? Like, we love, love them, adore them. They're all great dads. I'm like, but it's not like what we're getting back all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not always conditional, like it tends to be in male-female relationships. I go, so if we could move in that direction a little bit, like we look at our kids and say, what an amazing soul. And we let a lot, it's not that we let it slide, we have no choice because we love them to death, well, right? They're just so cute. So I said, you know, if you find someone with great values who has a great soul, why not think of them as like, that's a great soul, so whatever's being triggered in me, let it be part of my work. Mm -hmm. and, and again, the more mindful you are with yourself and have those pauses and check in with yourself and watch when your emotions get thrown off, like, what is that in me? It's the opportunity to grow. I mean, all human yes. relationships are the most complicated thing in the world, right? So I was listening to Eckhart Tolle yesterday on some podcast, and he was saying, like, it's all growth. The more difficult they are, the more opportunity to grow. So take it School's like that. School is in session when you get triggered. Right. Uh, but I, I love that you brought up the, the child um, because it's also about if you can look at how you feel in the presence, that unconditional love towards your child, mm -hmm. and if you can apply that to yourself, that unconditional love towards yourself, you will be more able to apply that to the person that you're with. If you feel that soul connection. I mean, we can apply unconditional love to anybody, but especially if you're mm. feeling it, if you're feeling that, then don't let the other, well, they don't like the same restaurant as I do, or they don't like to go mountain climbing or whatever. Those things mm -hmm. 
and that, this is essentially what you guys were talking about the other night that you reported to me, that I feel like there are missed opportunities where people, and it's, it, but at the same time, it's their own unresolved issue mm -hmm. to be like, I'm going to push that person away. A hundred percent. You know, you, you say feel that soul connection, but I, I feel like, I mean, if I look back on my life, there were probably an amazing amount of people that I didn't allow that to evolve because I was looking at more yeah. superficial things and needs. Ego. I was in the ego. I was looking at my list and seeing if they met him. I was looking yeah. for the chemistry and and I wasn't allowing the connection to start with like, how's that as a human being? You know, they have a big heart, they're soulful, they're amazing, they're self-reflective, they're on their own path. We have similar values. Like focus on that first and then see, yes. let the rest evolve. You know? So I was doing an interview with this couple today, and they said it so beautifully that it's like the, the Greek eros. At the beginning of a relationship, you feel this eros. It, that's, the, that's the honeymoon stage. That's the oxytocin. It's going, and you're just like, life is amazing. How could this ever stop, you know? And then there's, I think, the philos. I can't remember exactly what it's mm -hmm. called. That comes in, and then ultimately, when two people are supposed to be together, it's the agape. Mm -hmm. It's the that soul connection. We came here. Sometimes these couples that I interviewed, they can't even explain the why. Mm -hmm. It's just the, it's the is. It's the is. Yeah. It just is. Mm -hmm. And you just feel it. I also buy into, and I think I may have mentioned this to you as well, that I think it's a bit of a decision. Uh, I, I don't, you know, in other words, like, it's a decision to say I'm going to look for someone's soul. And I've been in the romantic love and I loved it, but in retrospect, it may have started from, wow, look at that person. And like I have that, attraction. that lust draw. Usually starts a lot of relationships. And I don't say it's bad, but it's very, you justify a lot of other things and you don't necessarily explore the soul. And if you look at traditions around the world and set up marriages, right? Cultures that are still yeah, doing that, yes. right? Fascinated. You know, and, and some of these people are together 50 years and in love and forever, right? I mean, it's not like we're doing better <laughs> in no. America. So I think it's a decision to, you know, they, y y you see people learn to love each other and decide to love each other and grow into love and have children and build a life. And then it's like, yes. I love this person. I love that you're bringing this up because when I was in graduate school, there was a lady who had been, she was an Orthodox Jewish lady and she uh -huh. had, she was 42 and she just had a grandchild because she was fixed up at 18 or whatever it was. And she, she was very distraught because her husband had some issues and they just really, she mm -hmm. just wasn't happy. And not that somebody can't have issues, but just at a soul level, she felt like she just wasn't supposed to be with him. They were fixed up many years mm -hmm. ago. and But according to just the culture and everything, um, I don't think she probably was ever going to get a divorce, you know? And so that's an example of there were two people that were fixed up, that mm -hmm. they might be together forever, surviving, not thriving. Mm -hmm. However, I really would love to do some studies on these yeah. people that are just fixed up. And thrive. Yeah, because there are so many also. And I think that it mm -hmm. is so beautiful. 
but just like any of our relationships where we're not set up, mm -hmm. you know, by our religion or our culture, in both situations, you can have couples that are surviving and you can have couples that are thriving. Right, and it just seems there's a lot more surviving than thriving in general. Yes. Although I'm very optimistic, but I, I, I think it's... Mike is going to invite us all to his future <laughs> wedding. Yes, hopefully. I'm going to sing a song. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you look at that song from Fiddler on the Roof. Do you love me? Remember that? Uh, you may not know it. I love a love anyway. song. Okay. But, I, what but, is it? but it's basically, singing. it was, um, you know, it was people who were set up. And, and she's singing in the song. I won't sing because I wouldn't put anyone through that. But it's like, for 25 years, I've washed your clothes, did the dishes, clean, cleaned the house, gave you children, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, if that's not love, what is? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's sort of, yeah. what is it? Is oh. it the romantic thing? It's all love. I mean, I think people could find partnership. If you have your best friend and never went through... I, I met some people who, I mean, again, have been together many years, and they, didn't, they never went through the romantic love phase, and they're in love now, and they've raised children, and they're best friends. Can I interview them? They're best friends, yeah. I'll ask. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I don't think there's necessarily one formula, but certainly... I think we're a very self-society. What do I need? It's about me and what's my list. And if we use it to grow and consistent with our bigger values in life, I mean, look, any two people put together want to stay together forever and build a family, it's work. And there's an enormous growth if you're going to do it right. <laughs> my mom has always said there are a lot of moons to get over, so mm -hmm. be over the moon for the person. <laughs> right, right. And Harville Hendricks' work, I'm sure you talk about, you know, getting the love you want, you know. I remember working with a, a couple who were, a couple of the therapists did a workshop with them, with an old relationship of mine, and I was talking to them because I got pretty friendly with them, and they were married quite a long time, and they were both teachers, right? They were both therapists teaching that. Love it. And they were saying, like, you think there's times we don't want to kill each other? You think there's times we aren't on the brink? And they were right. like, we're committed to that. It's work. Relationship yeah. is the opportunity to growth and to grow and heal our own inner child wounds, et cetera, et cetera. So. And this couple that I interviewed today who are incredibly in love, they've been married for about 20 years, and they actually spoke a lot more than I thought they would about conflict. But in hmm. the way, like one of them said, I, I think one of the questions was, why do you love this person? Why do you choose to be married to this person? And they really spoke about how it's almost like through the conflict they still love each other, and that is the difference between mm -hmm. a couple that is really set up to be long-term, sure. a forever soulmate relationship. Because the couples that aren't supposed to last are the couples that don't have that foundation, that bond, that connection, and they don't get through conflict they don't know how to get through but I, I think there's also some I mean again going from my own experience like I left my first love and I think it was an immaturity because when the romantic love phase was transitioning and there was conflict I was just like not I, I didn't decide to stay in and let it be growth I decided to say wow this isn't what I signed up for and it was an immaturity back then. And she's an amazing woman. We just spoke today, she's a therapist. And it's like, I'm like, wow, I just was that immature thinking, like I, I idealized the whole thing and right. didn't realize that like, 
I could have made the decision just as well. We have common values. We've had four great years. Let's just work at it and then go into another phase of what love is, like you say, the different phases. But, you know, so I think this day and age, a lot of people are subject to, oh, this doesn't feel right. Let me blame the relationship, blame the other person instead of taking it as the opportunity to grow and heal. Right. But at a core level, at a soul level, you mm -hmm. also knew that she wasn't here forever. Whether you even consciously realize that or not. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't see anything at you that time right. other than that this doesn't feel very good. Right. Why doesn't it feel like it did last year? And if you had, <laughs> who knows if you had met her now? You know, yeah. who knows? But you didn't, mm -hmm. and that speaks to it. Just wasn't meant to be, and there's something higher and greater. I always for believe you. that because you know I wouldn't Anything. have had my child. Which yeah, wasn't with yeah. her, so, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I believe that especially by doing that work, doing the work, and to really acknowledge who you are and to get to know yourself really is the key. Mm -hmm. It is so the key to manifesting anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just, I acknowledge you for being this science guy, this doctor, and then moving into the, the mindfulness and this whole other world and incorporating them because you are setting yourself up for a lifelong, beautiful relationship. Thank you. I hope so. I mean, it's my own medicine for me. So, of course, I believe in it and try and apply it and work and everything in life, right? Stay aware. And breathe. Mike is actually going to be doing some workshops at Insight L.A., Yes, son. Want to tell us a little? Just the roles of the roles of mindfulness in in pain as a tool for pain and in chronic pain. So, uh, because in pain, one role of it is how your brain and mind is responding to it, and a lot there's a lot of evidence, and we've had a lot of success with mindfulness as a tool. I bet you've studied Joe Dispenza. I've read some of his stuff. Yeah. Yes. It sounds Wonder very, It's wonderful yeah. stuff. You know, I've taught yeah. workshops on mind-body connection at Esalen and just, you know, demonstrated the roles of meditation and a number of things in, in combating pain. Because there's pain just in terms of the nociceptive, like the, the stimulus going through the nerves, but there's how we're coping with it and how much we're suffering. And a lot of that is affected by how we think of it, how we relate to it, the fears associated with it. The labels. How we, right, exactly. Of the diagnoses. So, and, and mindfulness brings us into the presence with it, and there's many ways that it actually modulates how the brain perceives the pain and how we actually experience it. So that's a big part of the work I feel strongly about and look forward to sharing it. Yeah. At Inside LA. And Inside LA. Do you want to tell our viewers where that is? Um, it's in Santa Monica on Pico or Olymp Olympic Boulevard, 20th or so. Google it. Inside LA. I think it's very, you know, Google, Googleable. Googleable. Right? Is that in the dictionary? <laughs> We're going to add it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, with our few remaining minutes, I would just like to kind of dive into any last things that you would like to say to our viewers about. If you could give advice to somebody who's out there who is has never been married or even who no anybody who is manifesting love okay what would you say is the best thing that you can do for yourself whether okay. you've been married or not or you're right out of college or you're 85 
okay. I mean, it's probably covered it, uh, covered it a bit, but I would say making sure you're doing your own work to observe yourself. So, you know, I feel a mindfulness practice or some practice where you're able to not react because you will be triggered in relationship no matter how great it is today. Um, and the more you're aware of your own reactions and using your reactions to say, how could I improve myself or what is that trigger in me? I mean, it goes very much back to Havel Hendricks getting the love you want, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I think mindfulness allows that space to even get to that work, right? To be able to say, ha, this doesn't feel good right now, instead of thinking what's wrong with them and what's wrong with the relationship and own questioning it, it own <laughs> it and say, ah, what could I bring and how could I raise my own game? Whether it works out or not, you're going to raise your own game as a parent, as a friend, in any human relationship. So just look at them all as an opportunity to grow, if that's your value. I mean, my value and priority is to grow. Yeah. Not everybody out there wants to, however, the way that we look at it, it can only help you in life to grow and get to know yourself. But it's everybody obviously has a decision. Um, and then just, I would just like to say that mindfulness to me is, is being present. And so like if you can be present with yourself as you are manifesting a relationship and or present in your relationship, just present in the here and the now, no stories in the past matter. Mm -hmm. You know, those stories, put them to rest. No judgment. Right. Yeah, no judgment, no stories. Any, anything, any insecurities, any, yeah, judgments about yourself or others. And just let it go and be present because from this place, this is how we manifest. Yes. So I would just like to add that. And to learn to present. be present, anchor in your body. When I say anchor, like become very aware of your breath and learn to scan your body and your breath and that will help ground you and give you that pause so that you can be present. I mean, it's it's sort of the first tool in becoming present. And I feel like his voice is really great. So I haven't been to his class yet, but I'm definitely gonna go. <laughs> and I feel like if I did like a guided meditation, <laughs> it would be really, really awesome. I think I put people to sleep quickly. Yeah, and the little New York accent that comes through, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for Please, having me. Please, can you tell our viewers again? Well, they know about Inside LA, but how can they, like, what's your website? Uh, MichaelSinel.net. Um, yeah. Instagram. Doc, DrMichaelSinel.net. Instagram. <laughs> you, you could post it. Yeah, some on Instagram and Facebook, but DrMichaelSinel, S-I-N-E-L. You could find me on social media. And I have a practice in Santa Monica on 23rd Street. And he's pretty spectacular, so um, I'm honored you came on the show today. Thank you very much, Jamie. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining us. And as always, you can email me at jamie at therelationshipexpert.com. That's J-A-I-M-E at therelationshipexpert.com. Or you can go to my website, www.therelationshipexpert.com. Or Instagram, therelationshipexpert. And that's it. Love you. Thanks for joining us. Great. You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on LA Talk Radio.